I'm approaching having passed and, um, and just a lot going on in our world. Um, First Timothy has a lot to say about the stuff that was going on uh, in Timothy's day. And so we're going to be in First Timothy uh, chapter number two. Um, that's where we're going to be tonight. So if you have a Bible, First Timothy 2. This is really a, uh, a message that God is still working on my heart about. Uh, pastor said this morning, uh, don't expect just because somebody preaches on it, that means that they do it perfectly. And this is exactly the type of message that I'm going to preach tonight. This is something that very, very recently God started doing a work in my heart about this. And I've begun to practice this in my own life. And so I figured it, it was something that I uh, could share uh, with the rest of the church. So we're going to be in First Timothy chapter 2. I don't really watch the news that often, uh, I, I kind of on purpose, I don't want to be stressed out all the time, so I don't watch it all that often, but I watch it just enough so that I can be uh, up to date with the things that are going on. I, I try to uh, I, I try to understand and know the things that are going on in the world, in the world around me. I, I want to be informed, I don't want to be ignorant, but so, so I want to be informed, and so, so every now and then I'll, I'll go home and I'll turn on the news, and I'll watch it, and the other day, I, I went home after a day at work. I, I drove back home. I sat on my couch, and when I got back home, I grabbed my phone and I turned on the news. And, and, and at first, about the first five, ten minutes of it, you know, it was good. I was being informed. I was I was learning about what's going on in the world around me. I was learning kind of kind of what's going on. And then about ten or, or twenty, maybe twenty-five minutes into watching the news, something really interesting happened to me. I, I began. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, but I began to kind of feel anxious. I began to feel really angry. Like, what are these idiots in our country doing? Like, I don't understand. Like, what what, what are they thinking? I began to get angry. And then after I was done, I put my phone away. And, and I had what I like to call uh, PNSD, post-news stress disorder. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, but after after I was finished watching the news, man, I was just angry. And I was upset. And I was frustrated with the world around me. And, and it's interesting because I was reading a study this week. The average American today watches about 25 to 30 minutes of news every day. That is not including, however, the amount of news that we get from Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. If you're in the room and you have a TikTok, um, we get news from several different sources. But this is saying we, we watch like physically we sit in front of the TV. We watch about 20 to 25 minutes or 25 to 30 minutes of news every single day. Some people however, watch upwards to 70 minutes of news every single day. That's a lot of news. I can't, I can't watch the news for that long. I, I would have like extreme PNSD after that. Like it would be bad. So we watch a lot of news. And the reason we watch a lot of news is because there's a lot going on in our world, right? There, there's a lot of things that, that are, are worth looking at. We want to be informed. And because there's a lot of things going on in our world, we watch a lot of news. But the problem is, is when, when the news begins to consume us and we get frustrated, we get angry, that becomes our life. We get frustrated, we're frustrated with people around us. We respond wrongly to the people who, who have a different stance than, than we might have. That's when the news becomes too much. And so in the book of First Timothy, Paul is writing to a man named Timothy. And Timothy, during this time, he's a young pastor. Uh, he had taken the church at Ephesus and he was... Uh, there was really a, an awesome movement that God was doing at the church of Ephesus. And Paul writes to Timothy really to encourage him to continue on, to, to, to encourage him to continue uh, to, to do the right thing, to preach the gospel, to, to do the work of the evangelists, to, to continue to, to, to be a pastor. And in the first chapter of 1 Timothy, 
we see that, that Paul is really encouraging Timothy to keep going. Um, he, he's encouraging Timothy not, not to listen to all the false teachers, not to listen to everybody that's telling him that the gospel doesn't work and that he needs to do all this stuff or that the law saves and not Jesus. Paul's like, look, you don't, you don't need to listen to them. Like, like, stay true to what you believe. And this isn't the point of the message tonight, but, but I just figured uh, I, I'd mention this. Timothy had an older man in his life to mentor him through difficult times. And I wonder how many of the teenagers in our church would be able to say the same thing. Like how many of our teenagers have older men or older women in their life that, that are speaking into their life? And I just want to say, you know, if you're, if you're an older, not if you're old, but if you're an older person and old by older, I mean like above, you know, 30 or 25, man, maybe, yeah, I know that's, Some of you just like freaked out because you're really old and you're like 30. Um, but if you're older, like older than a teenager, maybe it's time that some of you, some of us take some of these teenagers under our wing and begin to speak into their life. Take, like take one of them out for lunch one day and just talk to them. Invest in who they are because that's what Paul did with Timothy. That's not the message. That's just, that's just on the side. But Timothy had something in common with us. What Timothy had in common with us is that his society was terrible. I mean, Paul's in, or Timothy's in Ephesus, and, and Ephesus, even though the world during this time, it's a terrible place to live. Nero is the emperor of Rome. Nero is killing Christians literally for fun. I mean, he would take Christians, douse them in oil, and, and burn them in his garden just because he didn't like them. Uh, Christians were being persecuted at, at an amazing rate. Uh, sexuality was being questioned and pushed. Uh, there were temples dedicated to uh, adult, uh, adultery, and people would go there and to pay respects to their god. They would pay prostitutes, and it was just a really terrible time to live. Sounds pretty similar. Like the news, Fox News in Timothy's day wouldn't have looked much different than Fox News today. And so Paul writes Timothy, and, and he begins to tell him, like, hey, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. That's, that's through chapter 1. And then we get to the beginning of, of chapter 2, and, and really in chapter 2, that's when Paul begins to tell, instruct Timothy. Hey, this is how you, you should lead your flock. These are the things that I want you to tell the church at Ephesus. And the first thing he tells him is this in, in chapter number 2, and really he gives him a better way. Rather than being anxious, rather than being upset, rather than being frustrated when we watch the news, he gives him a better way to respond to his society. He says, I exhort thee therefore that First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So in a society that was extremely corrupt, arguably more corrupt than ours today, in a society where sexuality is being questioned, where, where there's a leader who, who has no idea what he's doing, who is just straight up evil, Paul writes to Timothy and he's like, he says, Tim, he doesn't say, Timothy, get angry. He doesn't say, Timothy, go protest. He doesn't say, Timothy, be angry. And, I, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a place in the government. Pastor said it very, very clearly this morning, and, and I felt that it was a great way that he put it. The Bible's not for political passivity. 
We should be involved. But at the same time, it shouldn't consume us. And, and so what Paul says is, look, Timothy, rather than being upset, rather than being angry, rather than being anxious, we should pray. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at, at, at some truths from this passage, and we're going to learn why we should pray, like why, why is this important, and how we are to do it. So let's look at this passage. We're just going to study through it kind of verse by verse through these four verses, and we're going to learn what it will look like to, to pray for our authorities. And so the first thing that Paul says, first of all, is that our prayers should not be exclusive. So look at verse number one. He says, I exhort thee therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So first of all, he's saying, look, Timothy, before we get to anything else that I'm going to tell you, because he says, first of all, so, so before we get to who can and can't preach in the church, before we get to all of like the, the church government, before we get to all of these things, I want to tell you, first of all, you need to pray. And that's interesting because often prayer, I know in my life, falls at the bottom of the total. You know, even in my devotions, a lot of times, man, I'll put my Bible reading way before my prayer. Because I care a lot what God has to say to me, but I don't always think that God really cares that much about what I have to say. And so what, what Paul says is, look, before we get to any of the other instructions that I'm going to give you, Timothy, first of all, you need to pray. And he, and he gives him instructions on how he's to pray. So he says, supplications. So, so this is praying for specific needs, being specific. Pastor said a couple weeks ago, specific prayers lead to specific answers. It's true, and that's what, that's what supplications are. They're specific prayers. And then he says, and, and prayers. So prayers, this has the idea, this is just a general sense, a general term for all of our communication with God. Uh, that, that's what the word prayer is. And then he says intercessions. So, so this is praying on behalf of someone else. So this is what, what Moses did in uh, Exodus 30, 32, where he goes to God on behalf of Israel because they had just sinned against God. God's going to destroy them. And so Moses goes to God for them. That, that's what intercessions are. And so most of the time, intercessions, when you see intercessions in the Bible, usually it's speaking of praying for someone else's salvation. So that's what that Paul's saying. So he's saying we should pray specifically. We should, we should talk to God in a general sense. We should, we should have communication with them. We should intercede. We should pray for others' salvation. And, and then he says that we should give thanks. And that's exactly what it sounds like. I don't know if I have to explain that one. I shouldn't. But Thanksgiving is coming up. And, and, and so we're, we're to thank God for the things um, that we have in our life. We're to be thankful in our prayers. And I don't think that anything I've said so far, any of you have a problem with, right? All, all, all Paul has said to Timothy so far is, Timothy, you need to pray, and this is how you're to pray. You're, you're to pray specifically. You need to make sure that you're praying. You're talking to God. You, you need to make sure you're praying for people's salvation, and you need to be thankful. And all of us are on board with that. Like, well, like we, we could shut the doors tonight. Everybody could walk out. Everybody would be happy. But he doesn't stop. He goes on, and he says this that intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Okay, now we kind of have a problem, right? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to pray for everybody, right? Like, I'll pray for some people, but, but I don't want to pray for everybody. And, and when he says pray for all men, I don't think it's in the sense, like, I remember uh, when I was in Bible college, there was a pastor that came in, and he said that he challenged himself, like, he's going to pray for an hour and he got like 10 minutes into the prayer, and he ran out of things to say. And so he started saying, like, God, I pray for Jimmy. I don't even know a Jimmy. 
I don't even I don't even know where Jimmy lives. In fact, God, I pray for all of the Jimmys in the world and all of the Cody's. And like that, that's not what God, that's not what he's saying there. Like he's not saying literally pray for all men, but he's saying that we should pray for all kinds of people, that we should pray for our friends, that we should pray for our spouse that we should pray for our children, that we should pray for those who, that we're ministering to, that we should pray for our enemies, like Pastor talked about this morning, that, that we should pray for all kinds of people. See, that's kind of where we have a problem. Because Jesus says in the passage we talked about this morning that we're to pray for those who, who, who abuse us. Like, we're to, we're to pray for our enemies. And so that's kind of where most of us have a problem. Because a lot of us, we're like, man, I love, I'll pray for people. I'll pray for people all day. I, I have no problem with that. I'll pray for everybody in here except for Samantha because Samantha gave me a dirty look in church the other day, and so I'm not praying for Samantha. I'll pray for everybody else. Is there Samantha in here? Oh, there is. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'll pray, I'll pray for you. I promise. I promise. I tried to use a name that wasn't in here, and I messed up. No, but you get what I'm saying. Like, we'll, we'll pray for people, but, but, but a lot of us, we, we have that one person. We're like, man, I'll pray for them, but like, I'm going to pray that they, they die. Like, that's, that's what I'm going to pray. But that's not what Paul's telling to Timothy. He's saying that, that we should pray for all kinds of people. So that's hard enough to swallow. Praying for our enemies, praying for people that don't like us, praying for people that abuse us, that's, that's hard. But then Paul goes another step further in verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority. So not only should we pray for friends, not only should we pray for our children. Not only should we pray for our spouse. Not only should we pray for the people we're ministering to. Not only should we pray for the, the people who are our enemies personally. But we're to pray for every person who has an authority over us. Whether we like them or not. We're to pray for them. That means that our governor, most of us don't have a problem with that one. But we're to pray for. A president? You just got really tense. Don't throw anything at me, please. We're to pray for him. You're like, all right, Pastor Nick's gone democratic on us. Like, this is our vice president. I mean, we're to, we're to pray for him. Your manager at work, you're like, okay, you've gone too far. No, no, there's no way. I'm not. But you're to pray for them. And not pray that bad things happen to them. Like, we're, we're to pray for them. And we're to pray the things that Paul said before. We're to pray for their needs, specifically. Supplications. We're, we're to pray for things that are going on in their life. We're, we're, to, we're to pray um, for their salvation. We're to pray that they come to the knowledge that Jesus came down to this earth to die for their sins, to, to be the payment for their sins. We're to pray that they come to faith in Jesus. But this one's hard. We're to thank God for them. That one's difficult. 
but we're to be thankful that, that we even have a government system. We're, we're to be thankful for every person that we have in authority. Now, now, we might not be thankful for the things that they do, but we're to thank God that we have them. We're to thank God for them. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. And, and this ha- has become a, a really big problem in my life. Because like I said before, I'll go to the news and I'll watch the news for a while. And when I walk away, I'm not praying. I'm not thank- I'm not asking God to help like President Biden and give him wisdom and praying that he'll come to faith in Christ. No, I'm just angry. I walk away and I'm upset and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what is what does this guy think he's doing? What do these people think they're doing? Why can't people figure out what gender they are? Like, what in the world? Like, I- I'm so confused. I'm angry. I'm upset. Like, why is BLM doing what they're doing now? I, I don't get it. It's annoying. I'm, 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 I'm upset. I'm annoyed. The last thing I do is pray. It's interesting. A couple weeks ago, I, um, <laughs> I had some problems with my computer. And uh, some of you, that might surprise you because you think that Gen Z, like, they have all of the answers when it comes to technology. little tip, we don't. <laughs> most of us, like, have no idea what to do when our technology goes like stuff goes wrong on our computer we just know how to use it when it works okay i have no idea how to fix it and so i'm sitting there my computer just won't work it keeps crashing i'm like what like i don't understand what to do and so i'm trying to type i'm getting frustrated i'm getting annoyed and you know what i didn't do i didn't keep trying right like i didn't keep like trying to fix it nor something else that i didn't do i didn't hopefully you don't get offended by this but i didn't call brother jeremy Right? Not that he doesn't know anything about computers, but it's not what he does for a living. He's a farmer. He doesn't fix computers for a living. So when I wanted to have something fixed, what I did on my computer, I called my dad. Because my dad works in IT. He knows what he's doing. He understands computers. And so he knows what to do when something's wrong. You know, a lot of times when when we sit on the news and we just sit there and watch and we begin to rant and we get upset and we write letters and we're freaking out and we write unkind letters and we're like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Or, or, or we just start ranting to our spouse. Most of the time we rant and we get upset to people who can't do anything about it. But just like I ran to my father when something was broken, we should run to our Father when we realize something's broken. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. That, look, Timothy, when you look at the world around you and when you see the people in leadership and when you see what they're doing, when you see the immorality, when you see the the way that these people are leading, like, yes, you can get upset. There's a place in your heart that you're going to get upset about things that aren't godly. And there's a place in your heart that you're going to get upset about people doing things that aren't the, the way that God wants them. But he's like, the first thing that you should do before you write any letters or before you start freaking out or, or more importantly, before you start worrying, you run to your Father. You pray. We have to remember that Paul's not, when he's writing this to Timothy, he's not ignorant of the, the way things work. Paul just got out of prison for preaching the gospel when he's writing this letter to Timothy. So he understands the injustice that's going on in the world around him. And he still writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, before you worry, before you freak out, make sure you take time to pray, not necessarily for the situation, pray for those people. 
So our prayer shouldn't be exclusive. We shouldn't just pray for the people we like. We pray for the people that we don't like. We pray for the people that we disagree with. We, we pray for the people who, who are leading the country the wrong way. We, we pray for them because we're followers of Jesus. So our prayers shouldn't be exclusive, but, but let's go on and see what else he says. He says in verse 2, for kings and for all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know what's interesting is Paul doesn't say that they. Right? He doesn't say pray for these kings and these authorities in your life so that they'll change. So that they'll start being a better president. So that they'll start being a better vice president. So that they'll start being a better secretary of state. So, so that they'll start being a better manager at work. He doesn't say start praying so that they. Look what he says. He says start praying that we, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now, now there's two ideas of what that verse means. The, the first idea is that we pray for them so that our lives physically change and so that, so that there's peace in our life and so physically in the world around us there's peace so that the gospel is able to get out so that we're able to reach out to our community so the gospel has free reign in our community. And I think there is an aspect that as Christians... We should desire for the gospel not to have friction. We should desire for the gospel to be able to get out without the government uh, pressing down on top of it. We should desire that. But when we pray for our authorities, does that always happen? No. When we pray for people to be better leaders and we pray for their, their personal life and we pray, things around us don't always change. So there is an aspect, that I think, that Paul means that, but I, but I think that there's something deeper that, that Paul's talking about. What I think he's saying is that, look, the motivation in praying for your rulers is not necessarily so that they will change. It's so that you'll change. Because when we pray for our rulers, we're going to the one who's actually in control of everything. When we pray, I, I think a lot of times when people freak out, when people start getting super worried when they watch the news and when people start uh, protesting, when people get out and they're picketing and they're saying unkind things to people who disagree with them, I think down deep it comes from a place of insecurity of who's in charge, who's in control. And what Paul is saying here is that when we pray for the people that, that are in authority, we're going to the one who is ultimately in control. He's the only one that can change anything. He's the only one that can do anything about the problems in this world. He's the only one who is the actual one in control. That's why Daniel says in Daniel 2.21, he says, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and he sets up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that no understand. He's the one in control. He's the one that he knows what he's doing. And so when we see that everything around us is messed up, when we run to our Father, we're running to the one who's in control. And when we run to the one who's in control, He provides us peace. Not necessarily that things around us change. Not necessarily that, that things around us get easier. But there's this inward peace that God provides for us. And then when we get that inward peace that, that, God's, that, that Paul's talking about there, then we're able to live a life of godliness and honesty, which is what he says in verse number two. He says uh, that, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 
So when we have this peace of God in our hearts, after we've prayed for our rulers, we, we've gone to the one who's in control. The rulers, uh, the White House, they're not the ones that are in control of this thing. Like God's the one that's in control. So we run to him. He provides us peace. And that peace gives us courage to live a life of godliness and honesty. That's, that's, what, that's what Paul is saying in this passage. And so it helps us to have courage to do the right thing. It helps us to have courage uh, to stand for the truth of God's word. He helps us, to that peace, it helps us to have courage to be kind while we're doing it. That peace gives us courage to treat people the way Jesus would treat them. Because our flesh, man, we want to argue. We want to, we want to be upset. We want to call people that want abortions murderers. We want, we, want to, we, we want to do what our flesh wants to do. But we, because of this peace, we live a life of godliness and honesty. That we're following Jesus with our life. Paul's not encouraging Timothy to have peace from not doing the right thing. He's not encouraging Timothy, like, Timothy, just be quiet. Like, let them do what they want to do. Don't stand for the truth. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that the peace that God gives you allows you to stand for the truth. So we pray for our leaders. And as we pray for our leaders, God gives us peace. And when we have peace, we're, we have the courage to stand up for what's right. So when we pray for our leaders, God's end goal isn't necessarily to change the leaders. When you pray for your leaders, the end goal is to change you. He changes you from the inside out. So we know that our prayer shouldn't be exclusive. We don't just pray for people that we like. When we pray for our leaders, God's desire is to change us, not necessarily to change them. And he might change them, by the way. Prayers work. Like, like he may absolutely change them. But he's definitely going to change you. And then third of all, Praying for everyone, even your enemies, even people that you don't like, is consistent with the heart of God. Look at verse number three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So, so he says that it's good. Like the, the God wants you to pray for everyone. God's not in heaven, and when you're going through your prayer list in the morning, you're praying for this person and this person, and when you get to that last person on your list, God's like, oh, nope, nope, you can't pray for her. Nope, she's gone too far, you can't pray for her. No, God says it's good for you to pray for everybody. It's good for you. It's, he says in, in Romans 2, he says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respecter of persons with God. So, so God's, not, uh, not, God's not sitting in heaven, and when you pray for that one person, he's like, no, no, that person you can't pray for. No, it, it's, it's good for you to pray for them. Well, why isn't he doing that? Why isn't he saying that, that you can't pray for that person? Well, look what he says. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? See, the reason that we shouldn't be picky in our prayer life is because God's not picky about who he saves. Like God's not Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist either. But sometimes I can act like Calvinistic in my prayers. Because I pick and choose who I think God thinks I should pray for. And I'm like, hey God, I'll, I'll pray for this person, but, but I don't really want to pray for him. When in reality, every single person on planet Earth, man, God died for and he saved them. He's, he's not picking and choosing who he died for. And so we shouldn't pick and choose who we pray for. Before you were saved, 
you were an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. You had no place in his kingdom. And in fact, it went further than that. You were, you were straight up against him. You were his enemy. And it was while you were his enemy that he died for you. And so think about this. If God could die for his enemies, then we can pray for ours. It might be difficult at first. When you wake up tomorrow and you sit down at your table after you've finished your Bible reading and you go to pray for President Biden for the first time, or, or maybe maybe you don't like... Um, Maybe maybe it's Kamala Harris. You're you like absolutely like you're like okay Joe Biden, but but Kamala Harris, man, you despise her. When you go to pray for them for the first time, it's going to be tough. It might be difficult, but if God can die for His enemies, then we can pray for us. Father, thank you. First of all, thank you for not. being choosy about who you died for. Thank you that you didn't die for the righteous. Because <laughs> I would not fall into that category. God, I'm thankful that you died for sinners. I'm thankful that you died for your, your enemy. And Lord, I don't know the different political stances in this room. But I do know that at least, every single one of us has at least one person who's in authority over us that we don't really like. We have a problem with their policies. Maybe it's personality. God, we just don't like it. And I pray that every single one of us that has that in our life, tomorrow morning when we wake up, Help us to remember to pray for them. Help us to remember to pray for their specific needs. For any kind of family trouble that they're going through, help us to pray for them. Help us to pray for their salvation. Thank you, God. God, help us always to remember that if you could die for your enemies, we can pray for ours. God, I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.